Father, we just thank you. Once again, Father, we want to come to your throne room of grace this morning. Yes, Lord, even as we have sung and even as we have praised you this morning, and we have asked you to purify our hearts, to cleanse us from within. Lord, that we will be a people who will be ready to do your will. Zealous for good works, that's what your word says through your servant Paul. Father, he said, Lord, that you're purifying and sanctifying for yourself a set of people who are zealous for good works. And therefore this morning I pray, Lord, even as we meditate upon your word, that you would speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you would make this word alive in a, in a man. There will be just not dead words, mere words of man, but, Lord, that there will be an anointing of the Holy Spirit and that you would anoint us afresh this morning to understand your word and also, not, also, Lord, Father, the power that you would grant us, the power of the Holy Spirit to believe and obey what you have spoken into our hearts. To that, and I pray that you would speak to us and anoint us in the speaking and the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. 2 Corinthians 5-7 will say, we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, so walk by faith and not by sight. Possibly we would have looked at this verse so many times. And again, chapter 10-17 of Romans will say, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, we've been studying and understanding about hearing and it's impossible to walk this Christian life unless we hear. God speaks and if we do not come with an expectancy to hear from God, then our studying of the word will just be a mere religious exercise. The Pharisees knew the word of God. They knew God's word, but they did not hear. If you turn with me to uh, John's gospel chapter 3, and let's read, uh, sorry, Luke's gospel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, you will see something very interesting. Luke's gospel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judah, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip being tetrarch of Ituria, and of and the region of Triconitus, and Lysanus tetrarch of Abilene, while while Annas and Caiaphas and Annas and Caiaphas were high priests. Okay, the high priests at least should have heard the word of God. It says the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. See, so they knew, it doesn't mean that they didn't have the Torah, they, they read the Torah, but the word of God did not come to them, the living word. It's just not the logos, it's the living word. That's what Peter says, where shall we go, Lord? You and you alone have the words of life. And Jesus says, "My word, the words that I speak are spirit and life. They are spirit and life. So we need to hear and we need to ask God to 
increase the ability to hear even as the days go by and we and individually all of us i believe in these last days all of us in if we have to believe it's just not people who are preaching the word of god and uh, and, and 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 studying the word of god are the ones who would hear everybody has to have the expectancy that he will hear his voice it says my sheep hear my voice okay and they will not hearken to another even if a thief comes they will not hearken to the thief because they are so familiar with the voice of the shepherd okay so this is something which which everybody um it's indispensable the ability to hear i mean not indispensable it's 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 priceless it's priceless the ability to hear and it's something which we have to really 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 seek god with all of our heart and say lord speak to me speak to me even through the written word i mean i was listening to i was reading up zack punan brother zack punan's um, um small word for the week he sends right he says um every day god speaks that's what we uh, hear from we learn from the account in genesis chapter 1 every day god spoke and something happened god spoke and something happened god spoke and something happened so we have seven days in a week and god speaks into our lives and something has to happen that is what the living word does if not i mean it doesn't necessarily have to happen externally but something is happening inside of our heart some changes are taking place and that is something uh, we we don't want to miss out on because god is speaking in these last days and we should not be as bunch of people who will tune out okay <clears throat> we have to be tuned in so who are those people who will hear and why should we hear proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 and 6 will say, say something very interesting a wise man will hear look at that interesting right a wise man will hear and increase in learning so what is the key to increasing learning the ability to hear and who are those people who will hear the wise and who are the wise those who fear god you see the connection okay god will not throw his uh, wisdom to swine no he will not throw pearls before swine he says a wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will attain to wise counsel and what is what is understanding the knowledge of the holy one is understanding according to proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding so he says a wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel for what to understand a proverb and an enigma the words of their wise and their dark sayings or their riddles so the whole purpose who are those people who will hear are those people who are wise a wise man and we know who are the wise if you turn to james chapter 3 you will know exactly who are these wise people with <clears throat> james chapter 3 will will talk about this wise people and verse um 13 who is wise <laughs> and understanding among you let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom you see that superb isn't it or oh, definition of wise excuse me you just turn this monitor towards my side don't have to worry raj you can relax okay a wise man and who is wise and understanding among you let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom so what does wisdom ultimately make you meek isn't it 
And look at the next verse, verse 14 onwards. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly. Okay, first it is belongs to the earth. That means how to gain things of this earth. Second thing, it's essential. It's connected with our senses. Pleasure. What our eyes like, what our, what we like to hear, what we like to taste, etc. In other words, our God is our belly. We are people who are uh, driven by our senses. So we are earthly, that means we have no interest in heavenly things. We are sensual and third, <laughs> this is demonic. And verse 16 will say, for where envy and self-seeking exists, exist confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, <laughs> full of good, fru- uh, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You see that this is wisdom from above. This is what is. Who are these wise people? Therefore, these wise people is not something to do with your head. It's got something to do with your character. You see that they are pe- they're first pure. The wisdom that is from above is pure. Why? If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. So think about it. Wisdom is personified by the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore if you are a wise man, you have an attitude of Christ. You have a meek spirit. Okay. Therefore it says in Proverbs chapter 1, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will attain to wise counsel. And whom should you hear first? Same chapter, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Look at what it says. My son, hear the who? The instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of your mother. First thing, it's to children. People who are growing up in godly homes. Hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Now think about it. So in other words, the father should have instructions and the mother has, mother should have the law. So this is not for any, any, any parent or not any uh, parents should not take this verse and hit up, hit, hit it upon their children's head. First of all, you should be a, you should be careful that you have, <clears throat> you have instructions. Okay. First of all, in order to have instructions, you should have been instructed first. Okay, not not every father is instructed. <laughs> okay, instructed in the ways of God. Unfortunately, not every mother has the law of God in her residing in her heart. Okay, so this is of course talking about spiritual parents, and if you have spiritual parents who are really, really people who love the Lord, who have a heart for God, who have been instructed by the Lord, and He says, "My son, here." The instruction of your father. And do not forsake the law of me. It doesn't say that you should not honor your father and mother. It's not talking about here. It's just talking about obeying your father and mother. And as far as um, they are people who are instructed by God. Why? Because if you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 onwards. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 onwards. We know this. Shema, right? Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your strength. And then, and these words which I command you today shall be 
in your heart first and then you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, you take every opportunity possible to instruct your children. Um, Sundar Krishnan says, the best time to speak about the things of God in story form is when the children are just about to sleep, just before they sleep. You know why? Because their defenses are down and they're completely, you know, at your disposal. <laughs> and you instruct them at that time and let them go to bed with an instruction and a story which, uh, which is, which, uh, which conveys spiritual truth. Okay. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them and you shall, when you rise up, etc., etc. And verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Where are your gates? These are your gates. Eye gate, ear gate. And where, where is your doorpost? Heart. Write them on your heart. Etc. So, so he says, a wise son, I'm sorry, uh, a wise man will hear and the first people you have to hear is the instruction of your father and the law of your mother and verse 9 of Proverbs chapter 1 verse 9 will say, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. In other words, these are the things which will decorate you <laughs> spiritually, will strengthen you, give you Favor with God. How, when do you look at people favorably? Generally, no? People get attracted to the external look first. The moment they look at the external, somehow they are drawn towards them. And he says, if you want favor from God, this is something which you have to have. Graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. What is that? Instruction from your father and the law of your mother. That is the reason why Jesus says, a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit is a precious Oh yeah, in the sight of the Lord. That's a precious, precious adornment or ornament in the sight of the Lord. Right? Okay. So this is essentially the, 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 the attitude or the disposition a person should be having in order to hear. Okay, teachable spirit. And you know very well, the one person who embodies this is Samuel. In the old covenant. And we have so many lessons we can learn from this young man. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 22 onwards. This is after Hannah has Samuel and uh, she doesn't go back to Shiloh anymore. Until she weans off Samuel. And this is what she says. But Anna, Hannah did not go up for she said to her husband. Not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him. That he may appear before the Lord and remain there. How long? Forever. I want my son to remain in the presence of the Lord forever. And he may appear before the Lord and he may remain there forever and then go on. So Elkanah, her husband said to her, do what it seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only the Lord, let, let the Lord establish his word. Now think about this. This guy says, okay, fine. You know what? I am not as spiritual as this lady. I am just going to leave all the instruction to her. He just takes his hands off. Okay. That's the reason why Paul says, you know, I don't have to uh, Acts chapter 16. We'll go there uh, in a while. Don't, don't, let's not go ahead of myself. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she has what? Weaned him. And then look at, look at what it says. And then what happened? When she has weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one apple of flour and skin of wine, brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. He was a real, real small child, just weaned. 
And then, then they slaughtered the bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here by the Lord. And verse 28, it says, um, for this child I prayed, therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord. They're actually, this is what your translations, some of the translations says. So he worshipped. Samuel worshipped the Lord. Who is this guy? The guy who's been weaned off. And now he's ready to hear. Okay. Now he's going to be the person whom the Lord is going to speak and not, not one word from Samuel's mouth is going to fall to the ground. Why? He's been weaned off. Okay. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 and 10. Look at something very interesting here. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9 and 10. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? No. Those just drawn from the breast? No. For precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Okay. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Okay. This is how the word of God is. And those people who are uh, babes cannot understand these things. Okay. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians Chapter 2 and verse, we come to this so many times, but I want to point out something very interesting. Verse um, 10 onwards, but God, that means I has not seen nor hear, okay? God has revealed them to us through his spirit, okay? For the spirit teaches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And then, now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is from God, and that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things which we also speak, not which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, not in words, okay, it's very interesting, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but in words which the Holy Spirit teaches, isn't it, is that, that's, in, that's, so how do you do it, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, it's here a little, there a little, and you take the whole counsel of God and you study scripture, and then goes, goes on, verse 14, but the natural man, hmm, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is not rightly judged by any man. And then verse, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. But I, brothers, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. So what what does that mean? These people are still not weaned off from this milk. They still want the milk of the word of God. Now, what has happened to Samuel? A man or a young boy, he's weaned off. Now, he's ready to receive the word from God. And those words are going to be tough. He's prepared by his mother to hear the voice of God. What does it tell me? It tells me the parents have a tremendous responsibility to prepare your children so that they can hear the voice of God one day. Why? Because God has no 
grandchildren and God has only children. Everyone has to hear the voice of God all by himself. Understand? So you cannot be taught unless you are weaned off. And what has happened? Samuel was weaned off. Weaned off. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Look at what it says. Powerful verses. And he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there. I like that. It is not a certain born again believer. No, no, no. A certain disciple was already there. Named Timothy, a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. But his father was Greek. Just like Elkanah and Hannah. That's what it, that's what Paul tells the Timothy. The faith. I am, okay, actually you can turn to Second uh, Timothy chapter 1 if I'm right. Let me see. Yeah. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith. What, what faith? The genuine faith that is in you. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Louis and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that is also in you. And 315, 2 Timothy 315. And that from childhood, (laughs) I love that. You have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. And what do the wise do? They hear and increase in learning. That from childhood you have known the scriptures which are able to wise, uh, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So in other words, his mother, grandmother Eunice and his mother uh, Louis, Louis and Louis and Eunice interchangeably, okay, what did they do? Right from childhood they prepared this guy and one day he was able to hear the voice of God all by himself. And I'm telling you, this is a Train up the child in the way that he should go when he is what? Young. And when he grows up, he will, he will not, he will not take that as a promise. Take the, take that as a promise and, 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 and really encourage all parents, no, take this as a promise and say, Lord, let me be a father who's instructed. Let me, let me be a mother who's got the law of God in her heart so that I can give my children. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. 31 verses 1 onwards. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 1 1 onwards. The words of King Lemuel. The utterance which his mother taught him. Isn't it amazing? Lemuel of course is possibly another word for for, uh, Solomon. Lemuel. Okay. The utterance which his mother taught him. What my son. What the son of my womb. And what the son of my vows. So in other words she literally prayed for this guy. for For this guy. And she said, Lord, if you have given, if you give this son to me, I am going to present him to you and all the days of his life he'll be sanctified and separated for you. And then verse three onwards, verse three and four, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which kings destroys. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes, uh, not for princes intoxicating drinks. So he says very clearly, right from childhood, what did, what did his mother teach him? My dear son, be very careful with Pleasure and women. Two things. Women or pleasure ke saath bohot hi saavdhan rehna. Stri or madhya. So bohot dur rehna. Bhaag jao. Varna kya hoga? Aapka jo strength hai. Strength to kya bolte hai? Bal. Bal bol sakte na? Okay. Your strength. You will give your strength to women. And your ways to that which destroys kings. And this is the one thing that this great man Solomon did not 
take to heart. Isn't it amazing? It says, Solomon loved many women and these women turned his heart away when he was old. Understand this. Okay, so instruct your children. Instruct your children. Alright. So, so this is Samuel. So this, this is Samuel. He was, who was a guy who was ready, was made prepared by his parents so that they could hear the voice of God. So we have a tremendous responsibility. Even in our church. All of our children. That right from childhood. That they will know the word of God. And one day, when they hear the voice of God, they will know. This is God who's speaking. Okay? Alright? So let's go to First Samuel chapter 3 now and read from verses 1 to 4 first. Let's read. Now the boy Samuel... Okay, can you just put uh, NIV here? I want to... NIV and then come back to uh, NKJV. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord and... Read that, everybody. I like that. One second. Are you reading it carefully? The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Adida. You see, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. How we, that is how he grew. And then you can go back now to NKJV. Okay. Now the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord, ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was very rare those days. There was no widespread revelation. Okay, understand that? And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in this place, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And verse 4, 3 and 4, and before the lamp of God, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, that means the lamp was flickering. Where is it? The lamp of God where? In the tabernacle. Think about it. Think about it. The holy place, the most holy place, and you have... Uh, the outer courts, you have, if you want to go to the most holy place, first of all, you have to come to the altar. Okay. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice on the altar. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your reasonable act of worship. And then be, do not be conformed to this world, that is labor. What is labor? Labor has got water. In, before you enter into the holy place, you have to cross the altar and the bronze labor where you have to wash yourself there. Therefore it says, <coughs> do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good, acceptable and the perfect will of God. So you, you, you pass the altar, you pass the labor and then you go through the what? There's a tent. I mean, there's a veil before you enter into the holy place. You have to die to at least a part of your flesh, if not completely. And then you enter into the holy place. And what do you have in the holy place? Three things. First, you have the lampstand, which is continually burning. And then you have what? The shoe bread. What is it? It's called the bread of presence. That means this is the bread which is offered to God. Shoe bread means show bread, the bread of presence. That is a, the bread which is offered to God. And this is essentially your life which has been offered to God. And what do you have? Also have a lamp 
And what is there inside the lamp? Continuous pouring of oil. That means there was one guy who is continuously pouring oil into that lamp. What is happening over here now? The lamp is being put out. Meaning what is happening? There is nobody who is pouring the anointing oil into the lamp. That means the Holy Spirit is not there. See, the word of God and the spirit of God have to come together. That means the Holy Spirit is like, it's like, uh, it's like the, uh, uh, to, like the five uh, virgins, right? If you turn to First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 19, it, this is something very interesting. We know this very well. It says, do not quench the spirit. Alright? Now go to second, uh, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 5 and 6. Okay, five and six. But while the bridegroom delayed, yeah, uh, seven, seven onwards. Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse seven and on, seven onwards. Then those, all those arose, virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said, "Give some of your oil for our lamps are." Ah, that means what is are being quenched. That's the word. My, our lamps are being quenched. Why? The anointing is not there. And that's exactly what is happening. In fact, if you go back to uh, the book of First Samuel chapter 3, you will see that verse in verse 3, First Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, in the KJV, something very interesting it says. And ere, I like that, this is old KJV, and ere the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord. What is ere? Just before, that's what it means. Just before the lamp of God was going out. That means the the spirit was being quenched by the high priest. He was not responsible. He was not pouring continuous oil into that lampstand. The lamp which signifies the light. There should not be any other light in the holy place. Other than the light of God. And that light has to continuously burn. And in order for that light to continuously burn, what should be poured out into its life? Oil has to be poured out. And we know, we've been studying, it says, in him was light, and that light was the life of men, or that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Life is light. And the life was, the life was going out. And why was the life going out? Because there was nobody who was pouring the oil into. Life was going out. And Samuel was lying there. Samuel was lying down to sleep. Where? In that place. Then the Lord called Samuel. Turn there. The Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. The boy ministered before the Lord under Eli. This is a very important principle. You'll see something very interesting, right? You, you have the, uh, the altar where the bronze altar where you, where you sac- offer the sacrifice and then you go through the labor where you wash yourself. Okay. So what is uh, sacrifice? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And it says, offer the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness. What are the instruments of your body? Eyes, ears, hands, feet, tongue. Eyes, ears, hands, feet, tongue, Baba. Tongue is the most deadliest. That means there you have offered all the instruments of your body as instruments of righteousness. You have offered it to God. And then he says, wash at the labor and then enter into the holy place. Now think about it. What does the holy place have? I told you already. You have the shoe bread, you have this lampstand, and then you have the altar of incense close to the most holy place. Now, all this, is it exposed to the sun? No, what do you have? You have a covering. What do you have? Does do, Is there any covering in the outer courts? No. 
Is there any covering at the altar? No. Is there any covering at the labor? No. The covering is only there in the holy place. In other words, if you want to be really used of God, like this, like Samuel, you have to be at a place where there is what? Covering. The problem is, many people don't have a covering. And because they don't have a covering, they don't have what? Even if there is oil being poured out, you're exposed to the elements. There's no covering. Is there covering in our lives? That is the reason why it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Think about it. Now, who are these people who made all the instruments in the in the holy place and the most holy place? There was a one guy called Bethsalel. You know what the word Bethsalel means? Bethsalel means a person who is under the shadow of God. And it says, God granted him the spirit of wisdom. And all, he poured him with the spirit. Did he not give the instructions and the, and the, and the, and the, and the way to build the tabernacle and all the instruments, how they, how they're supposed to be made? Did he not give it to Moses? Yes. That is only the written word. But in order for the written word to be made life, what you need is a spirit. And who is, who receives the spirit? Only those people who are under the covering. So what does it say? It says, Samuel ministers to the, minister to the Lord, under Eli. Got it very, very important, no? Very, very important. You need to have a covering over your life. First thing. Don't ever, ever, ever come to a point where you say, I don't need a covering. That's Babylon. You know what she, what she said? I'm not a widow. You know what the church will say? Lord, I am a widow. I need a covering. I need a covering. I need. I need a covering. I'm not a widow. That is Babylon. Babylon says, I don't need anybody. Boy, you come to the point in your life and you say, I don't need anybody. That is Babylon. That's not Jerusalem. The spirit of Babylon has entered into your life. Now think about it. Who is he under? Under Eli. Eli, is he a righteous man? No. Is he a compromised priest? Yes. But are you submitting yourself to a compromised spirit? Absolutely. Because he still has an office. You see this principle occurring over and over and over again in the Bible. Why do people not hear? Simply because there is no covering. And if you have heard without covering, I don't know who is speaking to you. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1, 2, 3, 4. Look at what it says. How it starts. Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brothers, that you remember in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. And look at this. But I want you to know, the head of every man is Christ. And the head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Even Christ, even though he is equal to God, he is under God. There's a tremendous submission even in the Trinity. And nobody is upset about it. The head of woman is man and the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. So if you have a bunch of guys who come to church with baseball caps, boss, what are you doing? 
And then, verse, verse 5. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is, is not covered, let her also be shown. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shown or shaved, let her be covered. You see the covering coming over and over again. And the next verse, verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image of the glory of God. But a woman is the glory of man. For a man is not from woman, but woman from man. And then go on. Verse 9. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the because of the angels, not because of the culture. No, 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 no. This is because of the angels. Symbol of authority. So what is happening over here? A man called Samuel, a young boy called Samuel is ministering before the Lord under Eli. And God through the Holy Spirit is speaking this and saying, you know what? If you really want to minister, your ministry is only accepted if you are under God ordained authority. That is when you grow. Turn with me to 1 Samuel. Chapter 2 verse 18. Because this is not chronological. Something which is very interesting which is mentioned over here. Verse 18 now. The man, so, so but Samuel ministered before the Lord. We know how he ministered. Under Eli, okay. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. <laughs> even as a child, he was wearing the ephod. I mean, that means he had a priestly function. So we know that Elkanah is from the Levitical order. Okay, don't worry. Because it says in First Chronicles chapter 6, it talks about the entire Levitical order of Elkanah. So he is also from the tribe of Levi. Okay, so that is the reason why he was, he's, he's, don't forget what it is here, uh, from the tribe of Levi. He is definitely from the tribe of Levi. If you go, if you have any questions, go to First Chron- Chronicles chapter 6 and, uh, don't get frustrated with all the, uh, all those, uh, mentions of all those names. Read through them carefully. You will get so many tremendous lessons. Okay. It is what? It is only for those people. How is the word of God? Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That is exactly what God does. He conceals his truths in detail. Okay. (laughs) He conceals in truths, his truths in detail. Okay. Alright. So for example, the prayer of Jabez, from where do we get? From reading that genealogy. Where do we get the sons of Issachar? From reading the genealogy. Where do we get the the prayer of Amasai? To David. From reading the genealogy in Chronicles. So don't get frustrated. Okay, you will, I'll show you some, some, some interesting truths today, which I learned from reading through the, through the genealogy in Chronicles. Okay, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen effort. And then what happens? He grew. And then, it was 19 onwards. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe, bring it to him year by year, and she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Now, think about it. Every year was he growing? Of course he was growing. And what does garment signify? Changing of garment signifies spiritual growth. Think about it, no? If your child is wearing the same clothes she wore when she was a baby. Oh Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon me. And one thing it tells about the children of Israel, that they will never change their garments. Right from the time they entered into the, into the wilderness, they never had a change of clothes. I don't know. I mean, I'm not reading too much into that. But food for thought for all of us. 
Moreover, his mother used to make him a robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. The Lord give you descendants, etc. And then go on. And uh, just give me a minute. Yes. Excuse me. 26, yeah. Yeah, verse 26. And the young man, child Samuel, grew in stature and in favor, both with the Lord and with man. Why? Because he was ministering before the Lord? Under Eli. Where do you find this again? It said about Jesus. He went down with them to Nazareth and he was subject to them and Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom, finding favor with God and with man. You understand? Okay. So it's very important to have a covering. Have covering over your life. Don't be headless people. Have a head. Okay. So And have only how many heads? One head. If you have two heads, you have division. Because two people are there, having double vision. That is the reason why he says, let all of you speak the same knowledge. I mean, have the same knowledge, have the same love, and, and speak the same thing. Okay, unity. Okay. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 3. I'll come back to that. Verse 8 in ESV, ESV please. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. First Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. <laughs> Love that. First, you start there. All of you have unity of mind. That means, start thinking the same thing. Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Unity of mind, humble mind, beach in, in, the, in the middle, you have sympathy, brotherly love and a tender heart. You see that? So, do not be headless. Don't have divisions. Why do we have division? Because you have two heads. One is your head and the other is you. No, I don't think uh, we have to do it this way. Maybe we should do it this way. Okay. There are so many unconsecrated heads in the body of Christ, unfortunately. They have all have opinions. Okay. Alright, so... The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So have a covering. You know, these are truths which we are learning, but let it become a part of our lives. Lord, if I don't have a cover, bring me under a cover. Husbands, sorry, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. And this is all, you have to submit yourself to Christ. Christ is your head. That means he is really directing your thoughts, in other words. Okay, let's let's move on. We've heard about it so many times. Therefore, we will not delve too much there. And then verse B. No, sorry. Uh, verse uh, 3. Verse 3 or verse 1 only. Let's see verse 1. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord was very rare those days. Or very precious those days. And we know that. Okay. If you turn with me to Amos chapter 8, we'll see that from verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 and 12. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, 
not a famine of the bread, nor of a, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. Then they shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. There was no word of the Lord. The word of the Lord was very rare those days. And if you go, go on in uh, Amos, in that day, the fair virgins and the strong young men shall faint from thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, as your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. Why are these two places mentioned? What are those places? Dan and Beersheba. North and south. It says, from Dan to Beersheba, who was established as the prophet of God? Samuel. That means, the word of God spread because of Samuel from Dan to Beersheba. And what has happened? Israel had come to a point in its life, in its history that none had the word of God from Dan to Beersheba. And there was a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. How it started here? This is almost the beginning of Kings, right? It's what is going to happen. It's going to repeat itself in Israel's history. So what is happening over here? There is no widespread revelation, it says. Same, first, first Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 and 1, you'll see that uh, they don't have, uh, uh, the word of God was not there. The word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. Okay. There's no revelation meaning what? We know this very well. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but by but my father which is in heaven. Okay. In other words, who's silent? God is silent. You understand? Who's silent? God is silent. And what is the situation of the people in the in the in the in the kingdom of Israel or in the state of Israel or in not state of Israel, in the country of Israel, if you will? They're happy. They're absolutely okay with it. God is silent. There's no widespread revelation. The word of God is very precious and everybody's okay. When God stops speaking, what is your attitude? So think about it. Think about it. Think about it. If any relationship for that matter, okay, if especially if let's say the relationship between the husband and wife, when communication stops, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Sometimes, even the, when the relationship is absolutely fantastic, there is a lot of wireless communication also. What do I mean by wireless communication? Looks. Finished. Over. Communication is done. Why? Because they have understood each other so well. Now, over a period of time, what has happened? Communication has stopped. That means there is something wrong with the relationship. That is the reason why there is no... I will not speak to you. That's what it, that's what they say. Whenever the relationship stops, I am not going to speak to you. Why is the word of God very rare in the days of Israel? Because God has stopped speaking. It's not that God doesn't, doesn't want to speak. He has stopped speaking. That means there's something wrong in the relationship with you and me. When God has stopped speaking, we all have to be Sensitive and say, Lord, what is wrong in my relationship with you? Why? Your iniquities, it says, has separated you from me. There's something wrong in this relationship, Lord. That something is displeasing to you and you're not speaking to me. 
We should not just go on. Ah, chalega. I mean, in the, we'll, we'll just keep moving in the in the process of our uh, of our journey. Some, everything will get adjusted. Nothing like that happens in Christianity. God stops speaking. Simple. Abraham moved into the flesh. God stopped speaking. Lord, Lord appeared to Abraham. It says the God of glory appeared to Abraham where. In the Ur of the Chaldeans, it's a very, very interesting phrase, no? The God of glory. What does the God of glory do? We heard that. The God of glory thunders. So the God of glory appeared to Abraham. That was not an ordinary appearance. That was not an ordinary revelation. There was a thundering. He saw the God of glory. He saw the weight of God. And he said, boss, I have to listen to this man, to this God. I cannot, my life cannot be the same after having this kind of a revelation. And so what does he do? He moves out, but his Baba comes alongside him alongside of him. That means his father is also alongside of him. And God stops speaking to him till the father dies. And we know that very well. We heard it so many times. And then the Lord appears to him again in Haran. Leaves Haran. Comes into the promised land. Famine in the promised land. Goes down to Egypt. God stops speaking. Just before he enters into the promised land, he builds an altar thankfully. Wherever wherever there is altar, what is there? There is a relationship in other words. There is a sacrifice. There is a relationship which has been restored. Right? That's what altar means. That means we have, what does we, what does having altar mean? What does having family altar mean? Oh, through the day we might have said or done some things which, which might have hurt, hurt you. So parents might have hurt children. Children might have hurt parents. So what is happening? We are coming together and we are restoring our relationship with our God. And in the process, we are also restoring our relationship with one another. That is what altar means. That is what a family altar means. Altar is just not prayer. What is prayer? If you, if a man's way, if you do not please the Lord, even your prayers become an abomination, it says. Right? Let our songs rise like incense. Let, it, let them be a sweet perfume. Prayers have to become incense, Baba. If prayers have to become incense, they have to be pleasing to the Lord means what? You have to have a good relationship with God. Your relationship with God has to be restored and your relationship with one another have to be restored. And what has happened? God has stopped speaking means there is something wrong in the relationship. And you are not even bothered. That's the problem. The apathy here is you are not even bothered that your relationship with the Lord is, is messed up. So if God has stopped speaking to you, one question you need to ask, Lord, what is wrong with my life? What's going on, Lord? What is, why have you stopped speaking? You see, that is the reason why I love David's Psalms. You want to listen to, I'll show you one, one Psalm. I love this, one of those very good Psalms. You know, it's got a, it's got only nine verses. So let us go through those nine verses. One to five, six to nine. Okay. One to five, six to nine. Go to Psalm 28. One to five, six to nine. To you, I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be. Think, think this, you see that. To you, I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent. Lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. That's amazing. See, in other words, if the Lord is silent, that means there is death in that relationship. Why? I'm speaking, you're not hearing, Baba. Why are you not hearing? Because there's death. And 
And then he says, hear though. And so he says, Lord, don't be silent, Lord. Don't be silent, don't be silent. And he says, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry out to you. When I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who ple- who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickednesses of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve. Verse 5, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. And then verse 6, look at how it changes. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. Wow, what confidence! The Lord is my strength. Why is there strength? Because I heard now. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and, and with and with my song, I will praise him. And verses 8 and 9, the Lord is their strength and he is the saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them forever. My sheep, hear my voice. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because I hear him continuously. Why will I not want? Why will I not lack anything? Because I will hear a voice from him saying, turn this way, turn that way. Go this way. What a tremendous relationship we can have with the Lord. Can you imagine the privilege that we as God's people have that we can listen to the voice of God? That's the reason why in Deuteronomy, uh, you know what Moses says, is there any nation on earth whose God is so near so that when you call him, he will answer? That the very creator God who created this heavens and the earth, when you call to him, he will answer. What a privilege he has given and we all take the privilege for granted. We need to come back. The Lord is silent. If God is silent, what is wrong with me, Lord? That is the reason why in Psalm 51 verses 7 and 8, look at what he says. Psalm 51 verse 7 and 8. You know Psalm 51 very well. Okay, why it is written? Purge me with hyssop. First, what you should do? Purge me, Lord, with hyssop. You know what hyssop is, right? That the blood of the Passover lamb. You dip that hyssop, apply it to the doorpost of your house and the angel of death passes over. That means you have a right standing with God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Purge me with, with hyssop. It is the blood of Jesus which sanctifies as it says. If I'm right in Colossians, or I'm not, I don't remember the exact verse. You can find it later on. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And then verse 8, make me to hear what? Joy. That means what has happened to me? I lost my hearing. For so many months, I'm thinking everything is going okay. And then who comes? Nathan comes and points out. You know what Nathan means? Slave. The slave of God. Nathaniel means slave of God. I'm a slave of God. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. What has happened to your bones? Broken. What has happened? What does bones signify? We know very well. What does bones signify? Truth. All the structure which is supposed to keep me standing is broken, Lord. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Make me to hear that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Make me to hear that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Think about that. What a connection. So, the voice of God is not even there. Are we complacent? Are we okay with it? 
It's a question we need to ask. Lord, are you, if you're speaking and I'm not hearing, what is wrong in my life, Lord? The problem is that we're all scared. Right? If I go to, if I go to God, He's gonna point out this, 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 and, and we don't have the, the strength. But you know what? Let me tell you something. God is not a tyrant. He's a father. He's a father. If you being evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more your father in heaven is willing to give the who? The Holy Spirit. To him who asks. Purge me with his son. Okay. So, there was no open vision. Now think about it, no? Look at Saul's life. I want to show you one incident in his life. 1 Samuel chapter 20, 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 3 onwards. 3 to 8 you can read. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah. In his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem, from which we get the word Shunamite woman. Okay, so Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped (coughs) at Gilboa. (coughs) When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams. Or by Urim. Or by the prophets. So what should you do? What should you do? Say, Lord, why are you not speaking? So what does Samuel do immediately? What does Saul do? Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium. Think about it. He is so impetuous. No patience at all. This is the attitude, my dear brothers. I'll show you. I told you, you know, Chronicles will give you some interesting insights. First Chronicles chapter 10. Sorry, before we go to First Chronicles chapter 10, turn to First, Chron- First Samuel chapter 13, verse 3. In different translations we'll see. We'll look at it in NKGV, NIV, NLT, in ASB to get a complete first chronicles first chronicles chronicles sorry chronicles not Samuel chronicles let us bring the ark of our God back to us for we have not inquired it inquired at it since the days of Saul okay no look at look at another translation in ASB maybe let us bring back the ark of our God to us for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Which is, which translation is this? NASB. In the days of Saul we have not sought it. That means Saul never had a discipline of seeking anything from God. Now this morning I was thinking about it. I was thinking, how many decisions in my life I took by seeking from God diligently? Oh. Think about all the decisions that you made. How much of those decisions were thought through with prayer and fasting and seeking the God's, seeking the face of God? 
Why don't we hear? It's simply because we don't have the practice of hearing from God and seeking Him. And Saul was such a guy. Another translation you have? Maybe you can put NLT, New Living Translation. It is time to bring back the ark of our God for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. Oh! A message will nail it. Message please. The final. And let's bring back the chest of our God, the chest that was out of sight. (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind during the days of Saul. Finished. Out of sight, out of mind during the days of Saul. You see, Saul only had this seeking God only when he was in trouble. And that too not diligently. He never had a discipline of seeking from God. Think about it. If we make decisions as to, Lord, should I spend this money or not? Okay. Should I take this career or not? Seeking and fasting and praying and, and, and saying, Lord, if it is not from you, shut this door, Lord. If it is from you, Lord, open this door, Lord. Now think about it. If we really, really have practiced over and over and over and over a period of time, this is what we what we call as walking with God. Enoch walked with God for 300 years means what? He continuously sought the ways of God in his life. In every decision of his. The first decision God made for him. What was it? You will have a son. You will call him what? Madhusala, from that time onwards, every decision he sought God. And he sought God for 300 years. That is what we call. That is the reason. Why are, why are we not hearing? Simply because we have never ever practiced seeking God in every little decision or big decision in our life. What we just go ahead and do it. Because it's the logical thing to do. It's the most expedient thing to do under the circumstances. And let me tell you something. The things of God and the will of God is never convenient. It's never convenient. Oh, it's not going my way. Let me make a decision now. Look at another place. First Samuel chapter 10, uh, first Chronicles, sorry. First Chronicles chapter 10 verse 13. So Saul died. For his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But Lord, you did not answer me, right? What else should I do? I will seek him till you get an answer. That's the answer. Anyada sharanam nasti tammeva sharanam. In other words, every other, what do you say? A rock will fail. Na asti means useless. Only your presence, there is light. See, we, we, we have to take this to heart, my dear brothers and sisters, in these last days. And then, look at another place. First Samuel chapter 14 verse 35. This is when he is fighting the Philistines, okay? Who's, who's winning the war as, actually? It is Jonathan and his armor bearer. He says, enough of, of this sick and defeated life. Let us go. For Lord is able to deliver with a few or with many. 
And the Lord brings a mighty victory. And look at what happens. In 1 Samuel chapter 14 verse 35 onwards. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. And why did he build this altar, Baba? Because he wanted his restor- his, 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 his uh, uh, relationship to be restored with the Lord? No. Because he wanted something from God. Now Saul said, let us go down out of the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. And... <laughs> Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them under the morning light. I like that. Okay. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever is seems good to you. This fellow said, Baba, you fellow, are, you are a stubborn fellow. You are a wild donkey of a man. You are bent on your ways. You will not listen to us. Do whatever it seems good to you. Then the priest said, let us draw. Oh, wow. You already built an altar here, right? Oh, that means your altar has not, this is just a, it's just a show. You have not genuinely drawn near to God. Why? Draw near to God, you sinners, and He will draw near to you. And if you draw near, what should you do? Cleanse your hand, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Ah, that is what, what, what happens. Asaf says, I have cleansed my hands in vain, etc. But at least he's honest. He's cleaning his hands. He only has questions with God. I see saying, Lord, why are you, uh, why are you troubling? I mean, why are you troubling us? And when you, why are the wicked prospering? He has questions, genuine questions. And those questions are answered the moment he enters, enter, enters into the sanctuary of God. Those questions are genuine questions. They're honest, guileless, deceitless questions. There are so many questions sent by people with full of guile and hypocrisy. Okay. They are not interested in seeking, drawing near to God. See, there are a lot of, if, I, I, see, that is the reason why, you know, Ravi Zak says, you don't only answer the question, you answer the questioner. Okay. There's a lot of questions people send, they're out of curiosity. It's like, you know, the, the, the lawyer asks a question, testing Jesus. What is the great commandment? What should I do to get, get eternal life? And he, Jesus answers a question with a question so that he is opening up the questioner now. And he asks him several questions. He says, how do you read the Bible? What is your understanding of it? Oh, then he gives the right answer. A for the day. What is the, what is the right answer? Thou shall love the Lord your God with da, 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 da. And the, thou shall love your neighbor than yourself. God, Jesus says, go and do it. Next question. Who is my neighbor? Then the parable. You know the parable. Then he, then another question. Who is the fellow who showed mercy? Who was the neighbor to this guy? Who was fallen by the thieves? Uh, the guy who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. What did he want to do? This lawyer wanted to justify himself. That is the problem. He doesn't want to draw near to God. There's only one person who justifies you. And who can justify you? That is God, not yourself. Nothing that you do can justify yourself, can, can, can justify you. Nothing you do can make you right before God. It is only God who justifies. That is the reason why if you are elect of God, it says who can bring any charge against God's elect. It is who who justifies, not the elect who justify themselves. It is God who justifies them. You understand? First time he builds an altar. And the priest says, let us draw near to God. Just don't build an altar, Samuel. So Saul, let us draw near to God. Draw near to God. And then, next question, he says, look at what he says. So Saul, Saul, Saul asked counsel of God. Look at these two questions. Shall I go after the Philistine? 
Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? Who asked this question again? No, 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 no. Another time who asked this question? Another king asked. David asked. Shall I go after the Philistines? Will you deliver? And that was his constant question. And why did God answer? Because he drew near to God. He just didn't build an altar. He had a relationship with God. And look at what he says. So Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver into the hand of the uh, hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And what did God, what should he have done? We are not going ahead with this war before God answers. There's something wrong in my life here. Something wrong. There's something wrong with my heart. That God is not speaking to me. Why is he not? And the priest would have said, Saul, sin in your hands, double mind. Cleanse your hands, purify your heart. You draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This guy was never interested in a relationship with God. The problem with many believers is the problem is that they are, God is out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> oh, my dear brothers, how can, how many of us can really honestly say, I was glad, very glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Honestly, week after week, one thing have I desired that I, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That I may inquire in your, to be seated at your table and to inquire at your presence. Really? Do we really have that kind of a desire? Our minds are, it's like, <laughs> distracted in 150 different directions. And that is one prayer that we all have to pray. What should we pray, Lord? Unite my heart, Lord, to fear your name. Unite my heart, Lord, to fear your name. And then you know what happens? But he did not answer him that. Then what does Saul do? Immediately he jumps into action. Hey, God is not speaking to me. What's wrong here, guys? There's something wrong here. Have I messed up? That is the reason why Jesus says, if you bring an gift, a gift before the altar, and if the Lord reminds you that, you, that your brother has something against you, drop that thing before the altar. Go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back. And another, another, another place in Malachi, he says, you fill the altar of God with your tears and he doesn't accept your offering and you say, why? You know what God says? I have been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. I know how you deal with violence. You have a garment of violence. And that is the reason why I'm not going to speak to you. You see, relationships are so important, my dear brothers. If the relationships are broken, you should ask God, what is wrong over here, Lord? Don't ask superficial questions. Bring God into the equation first. Don't bring any other human relationship into the equation. Bring God into the human, human into the equation. First be reconciled to God and then to man. Pursue holiness with God and peace with man. Pursue holiness with God and peace with man. The problem is, we don't do that. So, the word of the Lord was rare and there was no open revelation and the children of Israel happy. <laughs> Hello. 
You're not even concerned. The lamp of God is almost going to be put out. That, that means there's no anointing. The anointing is getting, almost getting ready to be put out. There's no open revelation. And then there's no word of God. And if God does not intervene, gone. Thank God there is a Samuel to whom God can speak. Thank God. You know what the word Samuel means? Shmuel. Shmuel. God hears. Shama plus L. Shama means to hear. God hears. And why does God hear Samuel? Because he hears God. Simple. See, why should I hear to hear Peter? Why should I listen to Peter? Because Peter listens to me. It's a two-way communication. If I'm, if Peter has already, if I, Peter has not obeyed something which I have already told him, why should I even speak to him again? What you know? The word shama has got two meanings. First, to hear, and second is to obey. Both. Those who hear. They should also obey. That is the reason why he says, do not be hearers alone, my dear brothers, but also doers of the word. And how do you do? He, the one who hears and does not do is a guy who looks at him, look, looks at himself in the mirror. And what does he see? <laughs> I was listening to Alistair Begg yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Funny. Okay. Alistair Begg was, uh, in one of his uh, tours, he went on a tour with his family, vacation on his family. He went to the golf course, okay? So in the golf course, um, they're put in a bunch. Five Different, different people come to the vacation, right? From he, he, he and he, Him and his wife, I believe, uh, went for the vacation. So a lot of people from different parts of the country came. And uh, he was, he wanted to play golf. So he was put amongst a bunch of other guys, five other people to play golf. So he, they didn't know that he was a pastor. Of course, no. And they were all normal, ordinary folk from different parts of the country. And uh, they were playing golf and people were speaking to one another and they were cracking one obscene joke after another. And this guy, he didn't open his mouth, okay. He was just playing and he was just playing because he wanted to finish his game and uh, and uh, he wanted to go home. So they asked him, so what do you do? I said, uh, he looked at them and he said, uh, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. They all got a shock of his life. Their life. They're like, oh, they're taken aback like that. So they didn't know what to ask him. And then one guy, he took some courage and he said, well, uh, so how is business? He asked him. And uh, the pastor says, yeah, business is good. A lot of sinners. To handle. And the number of sinners are increasing. So, business is good. So, they didn't know what to say. <laughs> okay. They didn't know what to say. So, after um, the match is over, I mean, they play the golf and they go, they're going to disperse now. And they come to that lobby where they have to all disperse. And they're just going off. And one guy, he comes running to this guy and he says, I didn't like the way that you said about sinners. I am not a sinner. And, um, and he says, well, I am one. He said, you are shocked. But you are a pastor. You are a minister. How can you be a sinner? Well, I am a sinning pastor. 
And the first person, when I get up in the morning, when I see myself in the mirror, you know whom I see? The chief of all sinners. And that guy was shocked. His defenses were all down. And then he could open the gospel to him. See? You know why? He honestly said. And you know what, after that, you know what he says? He says, he says, when you get up in the morning and when you look at, look yourself in the mirror, do you see, do you see a sinner? When you read the word of God, do you see a sinner? Does the word of God convict you? Convict you? And he says, if any man says that he is without sin, he is making, oh, God a liar. Think about that. That is the reason why hearing and obeying go hand in hand. Why does God hear Samuel? (laughs) Because Samuel hears God. Simple. That is the equation. A equals B means B equals A. Period. A is greater than B means what? B is not greater than A. Simple. We have to have a greater than equal to relationship with God. For all those who know, I'm sorry. Old habits die hard. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately. You see that. Think about that. Huh? So, we need to hear. So what does he say? The guy who sees in the mirror and he just goes his way, he's deceiving himself because he knew exactly what kind of a man he was when the Lord revealed to him in the scriptures. But he, he says, okay, everything is okay. It's okay, it's a small thing. Oh, chal jayega, yaar. Come on, you're too... God, come on, Lord. You just pick on little, little things now. Come on. Is those little, little foxes. Those are the things which will bring your house down. One day. Those little foxes. Little foxes, my dear brothers. There is no little sin in the sight of God. Sin is sin, period. And God had to die for that. Simple. Not Christ, God. Christ, yes. Christ was God. So no sin is small. It had to be paid for by the blood of Jesus. And therefore we don't take sin lightly. So, that is all. Impetuous. He would not stop. He would not Listen to God. Are you okay if God is not speaking to us? Or will we go back to God and say, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord. If you stop speaking to me, I will be like those who go down to the pit. In other words, corruption will set in. Slowly. Instead of becoming spiritually aware and alert and sharp, you know what's going to happen? Corruption will set in. Look, I'll show you this contrast now. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, if you will. And, excuse me, verse, uh, I'm looking at Corinthians. Sorry, Romans chapter 8. I'm just wondering. Romans chapter 8 and verse uh, 9 to 11. 
actually verse 8 onwards if you can, 8 to 11. So then, those who are in the flesh, answer, <laughs> cannot, na na, cannot, Ardhamenda, cannot, means powerless, the word is adunami, dunamis means power, adunami means, means without power, muse means think, amuse means don't think, okay, don't, that's what, that's the reason why we call them amusement park, means what, don't think park. Come here and don't think. That's exactly so many churches are like that. They are all amusement parks only. Put your thinking cap outside and come inside. Nonsense. Put your caps outside but not your thinking cap. Okay. Anyways. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot. Okay. Cannot. Cannot. Powerless. Everybody say powerless. Powerless. To please God. Okay. When, the, when ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what it means. Your powerless ka matlab kya hai? You are not walking in the Spirit. Simple. Walk in the Spirit and you will, you'll fulfill, you will not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh means what? You will have the power to overcome the lusts of the flesh. That's what it means. Right? So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the Spirit. No, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. I hope so. Why? If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Okay? How do you know that you're not in the spirit? First of all, the spirit of God will dwell in you. If you're born again, immediately the spirit of God will come and dwell inside of you. Now, if anyone does not have the... If you have the spirit of God, you will have the spirit of Christ. That means the attitude of Christ. Let this mind be in you. Let this in your attitude, in your relationship with others. Let this mind be in you. The attitude of Christ. What is the attitude of Christ? Sufferings first, glory next. Hmm? Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him or he is not his. And then, but if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Your body might be perishing, but your spirit is alive. That's what it says. The, even though the outer man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. How? Even as we look at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporary and the things which are unseen are permanent or eternal. That is spirit. What happens? If you do not speak to me, Lord, I will be like those who go down to the pit. Means corruption has set in and it's just about time. It's a matter of time when I will become spiritually dead. Unless and until you're, you uh, intervene in my life supernaturally. And that's exactly what happens. Samuel is found. So God finds Samuel thanks to Hannah who prepared Samuel so that one day you could hear the voice of God. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. Let's see one more verse. And verse 10 onwards. Matthew chapter 13. 13. We are looking at these concepts over and over again. <clears throat> and the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? 
He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you <laughs> to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Okay, and then, for whoever has to him more will be given, and he who has, and he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Hmm. But blessed are your eyes. Actually, verse 14, yeah, that's what, thank you. Thank you so much. And in them, oh yeah, boy, my whole thing was based upon this. Anyway, for in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and not sh- and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. Why, 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 why? Answer, verse 15, how does it start? For, because in other words, because the hearts of this people have grown dull. You know what? If you look at the original in Isaiah chapter 6, I have made the hearts of the people dull. Why did, see it's a, it's, these are both processes which go together. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. Cause and effect. We live in a causal universe. Monsieur. This is exactly the problem. The heart, that is exactly the reason why he says in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, your ears have become dull of hearing. Why? Simply because your hearts, you have made your hearts dull and therefore God also has hardened it. Wow, why has, how has it become hard so It's See, like Pastor keeps telling, no, this is comes home over and over again, right? The problem in the church is not is not with the person of Jesus Christ. The problem in the church is, a, is with the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you do not deal with him gently and sensitively, you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna slowly withdraw his presence. And the slowly he withdraws his presence, our heart will get even more harder. It is simply that God takes his hand over our life and our heart automatically gets hardened. Because we refuse to hear the voice of God. Their ears are hard of hearing them. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they see, they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts. And turn so that I should heal them. In other words, their hearts have grown dull. Or rather they have caused their hearts to grow dull. And therefore I also did it. I hardened it. Now think about it. When is this prophecy being mentioned? In Isaiah chapter 6. What was Isaiah chapter 6? How does it start? Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now the year that King Uzziah died, Uzziah died as a leper. Okay, the year the king Uzziah died, Uzziah died as a leper, and God, what is God saying? Uh, So when uh, Isaiah goes to the temple, he sees the Lord. Uzziah dies, and he sees the Lord. So, after Uzziah dies, who becomes his, who becomes the next king? Is a question. Because this prophecy is being spoken during the time of the next king. Obviously, in the year the king Uzziah died, somebody else also has become a good, has become the king. Who is that king? Is a question. Now let us go to, oh yeah, very important, very, yes, 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 thank you, thank you, Dr. Luke, you are just on the money. Before we go there, let us look at 2nd Chronicles chapter 26, verse 22 and 23, and 2nd Chronicles chapter 27, verse 1 onwards. 
the last two verses. Okay. Now the rest of the acts of Isaiah from the first to last, the, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos wrote. Hmm? So, so if you look at the book of Chronicles, it is authored by several prophets. Okay. Samuel wrote, Nathan wrote, God the seer wrote. Okay. And first king, second king, so so many prophets wrote it, okay? So all inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from the first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amaz wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So the year king Uzziah died, who gets into the throne? Jotham, the son. Now look at this, next verse. Look at this, this is powerful, okay? Jotham was 25 years old when he became the king and he reigned. 16 years in Jerusalem. So, so Jotham becomes a king when the king Uzziah dies. The year when king Uzziah dies, the same year Jotham becomes king. And he's about 25 years old when he becomes king and he's reigning for 16 years. So, approximately he's 41 years when he dies. Okay. His mother's name was Yerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Let's move on. Let's move on. And he did, look at this, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzziah did. Had done. Although he did not enter into the temple of the Lord. That means he did not do what his father did. But look at what the next verse, next verse says. But still, the people acted corruptly. So, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people, right? The king is okay. But people are corrupt. The people are corrupt. Why are they corrupt? They are people of the flesh. The heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? Corrupt. And that is the reason when God stops speaking. Even when the prophet Isaiah, the, I mean, if you think about the entire prophetic line, no greater prophet than Isaiah. Okay. Elisha and Elijah ko, Elijah or Elisha ko bagal mein rakho aur Isaiah se dekho. The most articulate, bright, brilliant, royal blood. He's royal blood, you know that? Isaiah's, Uzziah's cousin, by the way. It's all royal blood. Brilliant. He can come and do apologetics with you also. If you want. That's exactly what happened with Christopher Hitchens, right? He died of cancer. And his brother tried to bring the gospel to him and couldn't. Brother was a believer. He died. Anyway, that's uh, history. So, they acted corruptly. The king is okay, but the people are corrupt. That's the problem. And therefore, God says, they will not hear. They will not hear. Why? Because they are people of the flesh. Okay. Let's go back now to First Samuel chapter 3. Verse 3. Onwards. Now the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down, where Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. You know, this is what the word, the phrase here I am, you know how many times it appears in the entire passage in the chapter? Five times. Here I am, 
here I am, here I am. You know, this is my, one of my favorite phrases in the entire Bible. Here I am. Cheneni, which means I am available. So why does Samuel hear? What is that attitude inside of him that causes him to hear? The Lord answered him, here I am. How many times the Lord calls him? Actually four times. Three times first and uh, uh, the third time Eli says, okay, it's the voice of the Lord. And he says, what is this attitude? It is discipline and attention. Or rather I can put it, the discipline of attention. Okay. The discipline of paying attention. Okay. This guy is a young guy. He's sleeping. Somebody calls him Samuel, he immediately gets up. Some people cannot be woken up at all. Even a boulder falls next to them, they will not wake up. The question is, can you be woken up? For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who are drunk, drunk at night. But we are not of the night. We are of the day. Therefore, let us put on the breastplate of faith. Uh, faith and righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. And, and for the for as a helmet, a hope of salvation. And be ready. Be vigilant. Are you vigilant? The discipline of attention. The discipline of attention. That is the quintessential key element, if you will. The discipline of attention. Okay. The ability to pay attention for a long period of time and not giving up. Isaiah chapter 50, NASB. Verse 4, please. 4 to 6. Four to six. Fifty four to six in the NASB. The Lord has given me the tongue of the of the of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So Samuel, he sleep asleep and he can be woken up, doesn't matter which point of the night. Can can the Lord wake you up? Some people say, once I'm gone, I'm gone. I'm not saying that you should not sleep. Don't misunderstand me. Are we alert any time of the day? If, I'm not talking about physical sleep. I'm talking about, can the Lord speak to you in the busy, busy things that you, that is going on? You're, you're busy doing something else, okay? Think about it. You're studying. Let's say you're doing, you're studying uh, C programming or whatever programming you're studying, okay? Starting and starting. Suddenly, can the Lord speak? Can He interrupt you and say, "You know what? Maybe you should go down on your knees and pray." Lord, what are you saying? Mera tapasya ka bhang mat karo. You see, it's attentive. You see, what it what it means is this. This means that Samuel had a discipline of being made uncomfortable. That's the point. And he never complained. Oh, you give a little discomfort to people. Bah! You see the kind of complaints you get? Oh, the church is too long. The church is too far. 
the worship is too short. The message is too long. The prayer is very short. Only one person keeps praying. As if there are no other men of God in this church. Etc, etc, etc. Can you be made discomfortable, uncomfortable? <laughs> you see, these are the, that, that is what I see in, in, the, in, the, in the attitude of Samuel. He can be made uncomfortable and he is okay with it. You know why? He sleeps close to the Ark of the Covenant. Close. Close. Think about that. You have the discipline of attention? As, in other words, another thing, he's got a tongue of a disciple. And he's got the ear of a disciple. Why does he have a tongue of a disciple? Because he has got the ear of a disciple. And let me, may, may, may I add, he has got the ears of a disciple. The high priest had the blood to be applied on the right ear, on the right thumb, and the big toe. Anointing on the blood of the right ear, of the right thumb, and the right big toe. Why is he able to hear? Because he had blood on his ear and anointing on his ear. Even though the lamp was going out. He could hear. You know, all this has happened, you know why? Because he is serving the Lord under Eli. Kya baat Kya baat That's a secret, my dear brothers. You grasp that secret, it will put you instead. You are set for life, I am telling you. You are set for life. And nothing can plug you out of God's hand. Because he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what Bethsalel means, under the shadow of God. El means God. Bethsalel means the under the shadow of God. 54.13 Isaiah And all your sons will be. Ah. This is an NSB. Ah, okay. You know what the word is? All your children or your sons will be disciplined or discipled by the Lord. <laughs> and great will be the peace of the children. Now think about it. Teach, to be taught and to be discipled can be used interchangeably. Who are those people who can be taught? Those people who can be discipled. That is the reason why. What is the Great Commission? Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations and teach them to observe. Ah, Both go together. Who are those people who have a teachable spirit? Those people who are disciples. And who are those people who are disciples? Those people who are disciplined. And who are those people who are disciplined? Those people who can go through discomfort without murmuring. You understood? You got it, no? All your, yeah, like this. I like that. Oh, this is uh, amplified. Kya baat hai? Amplified is amplified only. All your children or your spiritual children shall be disciples. Taught by the Lord and obedient to His will. Kya baat hai? Oh, kiss this, man. This kiss this verse. Beautiful. And all your spiritual children shall be disciples taught by the Lord and obedient to His will and 
great will be the peace of peace and undisturbed composure of your children kya baat hai superb thank you thank you sami for this wonderful translation i miss this great shall be the peace and undisturbed composure that means look that means guys has composure boss he's got control over his senses you know why because he can be taught and simply why is he taught he has a disciplined ear he's got the capacity and the ability to be made uncomfortable and he will never complain and mama abba inni saal phone chesadra babu odunana you can be lot you can disturb me lot can you say that Oh, you can disturb me. You can disturb me, Lord. You can disturb me. Why can't we believe in Jesus? Simply because of this. Why can't we? Why do we complain when the teaching gets harder? Simply because of this attitude. We don't have this attitude. Let me show you. John's Gospel, chapter six, verse forty-one onwards. <laughs> Look at this. And the Jews then complained about him. Yeah. complaint start in okay complaint box and the, then the jews complained about him because he said i am the bread which came down from heaven in other words i am the one man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god I, that means you have to live by me i am the word you have to take part of my life my teaching my doctrine the doctrine of christ should be a portion should be your life then the jews began to complain and you know what he said and they said he is not this jesus the son of joseph Hey, look at his credentials. He's not even a tenth class pass. I don't know. Did he go to university? No. Did he learn it? No. Those days they did two things: they learned the Torah and the Tanakh, and they learned a trade. Paul learned the Torah and the Tanakh, and he was a tent maker. all the disciples learned the torah and the tanakh and they were fishermen jesus learned the torah and the tanakh and he was a carpenter thank you jesus hmm? it's a good thing so you can learn the torah and the tanakh and be whatever god calls you to be engineer doctor scientist genius like our sam <laughs> no problem no problem you have to you have to learn to accept not rebuke prashansa also Okay, we'll finish this. We'll finish in, a, in two minutes. We'll finish. And they said, "Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he then he that he says, 'I have come down from heaven'?" And then Jesus, therefore, answered and said to them, "Do not murmur among yourself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day." And who who are those people who can be drawn by God? Look at the next verse. it is written in the prophets and they shall be taught by god and who are those people who can be drawn towards tough teaching without complaining those people who have been disciplined spiritually by god my dear brothers therefore everyone has heard and learned from the and therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me and who does the father speak to you know what he says my son here 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 please hear my son my son here incline your ear give me your ear he who has your ear has your tongue 
And he who has your tongue has your mind. And he who has your mind has your body. बीच में मैं बहुत ऐड कर दिया ठीक है पास्टर जेम्स ने बोला ही हु हैज योर माइंड हैज योर बॉडी आई एडेड सो मेनी थिंग्स ओवर देयर नॉट एनीवन हैज नॉट दैट एनीवन हैज सीन द फादर एक्सेप्ट द ओके वी डोंट हैव टू गो देयर दैट्स इनफ सो कैन यू बी टॉट दैट इज वन एटीट्यूड आई टेक अवे फ्रॉम सॉल फ्रॉम फ्रॉम सैमुअल नॉट फ्रॉम सॉल नॉट फ्रॉम सॉल प्लीज नॉट फ्रॉम सॉल सबमिसिव हियर आई एम And you know what he says? He goes fourth time, and this time, you know what Eli says? This time, when you hear the voice of God, just say one thing: "Speak, Lord, for your servant hears." So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the next time, God called him and said, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Look at this. Look at the look at the detail. Now the Lord came and stood. And called. Lord only called his name. Now this guy is ready. Look at this guy. He doesn't give up, right? Three times he called. He goes back. He will say, "Okay, the same thing, right?" It must be some hallucination. Guy is so so attentive. My sheep hear my voice. Okay. Now the Lord came. The Lord stood, and the Lord called at other times. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, "Speak." He doesn't say, "Lord." By the way, still, you know why? Verse seven: Speak for your servant hears. Verse seven. Verse seven. Verse seven. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So he didn't. Still, doesn't say, "Lord." As far as he's concerned, Eli is still Lord. <laughs> Now he becomes Lord. Now he surrenders himself. Speak, your servant. Listens. You know what it tells me? He was attentive. He was disciplined. He could be disturbed. You know why? Because he had an attitude of a servant. Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Not just a servant. The word is abed, which means bond servant. And you know who a bond servant is. What he, what kind of a year does he have? A circumcised year. By year, you have. Pierced, a pierced ear, the ear which listens to the master and master alone. So, can we say, Lord, this morning, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Continue to speak to us and minister to us, Lord. We don't want to stop hearing your voice. whatever it is that is blocking our relationship with you unravel it to us and speak to us show us lord where we have gone wrong so that we can set our relationship straight we can set our relationship right with you for you said if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness If we confess, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, and then we can have a clear standing with God. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, Lord, continue to speak to us. Continue to open our ears, so that we can we can hear more and more clearly, even as the days go by. 
the voice of your spirit. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.